there's a common thread with successful individuals. They've worked hard, but they've also made hundreds, if not thousands of mistakes. What if you could learn from their mistakes without any consequences? What if you could hear from talented individuals who have achieved great success in their given field? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to shorten your learning curve, learn from the best, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. I'm your host, Mike Perry, and welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Perry, and today we're going to be talking about kettlebells and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, if you spend any amount of time training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you've probably looked into strength and conditioning for, for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And through that process, you've probably heard people talk about kettlebells. Um, there are some people that think kettlebells are the most important implement in the world, and there are others that think it's a waste of time and it's useless. Now, I am somewhere in the middle. I think kettlebell training is incredibly beneficial. I think it's perfect for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but it also does have things it can and cannot do, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So, I started training with kettlebells in around 2004, 2005, and at that point, there really wasn't a lot of people that really understood how to train with kettlebells. And when I first started, I just bought some crappy kettlebells, and they were not good quality. They had handles that were crooked. They had, you know, burrs on them that would cut your hands, and they were just not good quality. I mean, the kettlebells that you see today, like the cast kettlebells are just beautiful, right? They're smooth, they're consistent, they're awesome. But back in the day, you couldn't find really good consistent kettlebells. It was just, it, it they just weren't good quality. Luckily, things have changed and uh, they're, they're a lot better. But so I was pretty much self-taught at first. I just, you know, looked at some videos online and uh, started to teach myself how to do swings and cleans and snatches and all that other stuff. Um, when I first started, it was it was not good. It was bad. Um, I wish I could find some old videos of me doing swings, etc., because I have a feeling I'd probably cringe. But um, <clears throat> it was not good, and uh, it is what it is. But eventually, I I learned about Dragon Door and the RKC, and and I got really interested, and I decided to basically sign up for this certification in the middle of Minnesota, um, and get get certified as a as a kettlebell instructor, which, which was through the RKC at the time. So I went in, went to that weekend, um, got the absolute crap kicked out of me, right? I showed up in good shape being a, a decent athlete, decently strong. But when I was prepping for the course, I was using a 24, a single 24. That's all I used. So I prepared for, you know, cleans and squats and snatches. And, but all I used was a 24 and my main goal was to pass a snatch test because that's what everybody wants to do. Pass a snatch test, right? Little did I know that we were going to be using two 24s. So I never touched double 24s in my life. And then I go out to this weekend and guess what? I go ahead and uh, use double 24s and absolutely murdered myself. And man, I was pretty beat up. I made it through the weekend. I got certified. Uh, but that was a that was a rude awakening for me, man. Because uh, going into a weekend thinking using one kettlebell and actually using double is, uh, is pretty significant. But anyways... Uh, during that weekend, uh, I was fortunate enough to have a, uh, a team leader by the name of Brett Jones. And if you know anything about kettlebells, uh, Brett Jones' name is, is right up there. Brett is an amazing coach, great friend, great mentor. And he's the guy that really 
started me on my path. Um, obviously, you know, following Pavel as well, but Brett was my, <clears throat> my level one um, RKC team leader. A few years after that, I decided, hey, I'm really into this. I'm going to go do my level two. So I go do my level two, um, same spot, and Dan John was my level two coach. So, right, so here I got Brett Jones and Dan John as my level one and my level two coach. Like, not going to lie, that doesn't suck. Two legends in the game, and, and I learned a, a ton from, uh, from Dan as well. Um, after that, I decided to do the CKFMS course, which, which was a combination sort of movement kettlebell FMS type course. And at that time, there was like 100 attendees. It was pretty awesome, but that was a fun, uh, a fun course. And then since then, guys, I've just been learning and trying to get better. Um, I guess you could say I'm fairly accomplished with teaching the kettlebell swing and, and all the other exercises that go along with it. But guys, I'm going to tell you right now. There are people that still amaze me. I, I look at what they do and I'm like, gosh, those people are so smart. So I'm a student of it, even though I teach it and I'm, I'm decent at it, I'm still learning every day. There's still little tweaks and, and twinges and there's little things that I can always do to get better. So I'm not saying that I have it all together. I'm always gonna be a student and I'm always uh, going to try to find ways to improve my own skill, but also become a better coach. But one of the things that uh, I learned kind of throughout the last, gosh, you know, five or six years more so is that when I started my jujitsu journey, I, well, first of all, I was the athletic, strong white belt that was pretty spazzy. I was like 185 and I was a bull. I was not good. I was aggressive. Um, people probably, I, I know that people didn't like rolling with me because I was a spazzy, strong white belt and no one likes to, uh, no one likes to be rolling with that strong spazzy strong wipeout that's probably going to headbutt you and kick you in the nuts and stuff like that but that was me and what I did have was a good base of strength and a good base of conditioning um, what I didn't have was any technique in jiu-jitsu whatsoever so I, I finally get to the point where I'm like you know what Mike like yes it's good to be strong it's good to be conditioned those are all good things but if you want to get better at jujitsu, you have to focus on jujitsu, like doing more snatches and bench presses and squatting. Those aren't bad things. This is coming from a strength and conditioning coach, but I need to spend more time on the mats. And throughout that process, I, uh, I realized that the training that I was doing, I was deadlifting heavy and I was squatting heavy and just lifting heavy in general for me. And I realized that I couldn't serve two masters at that point. Meaning if I wanted to continue to train a lot on the mats, um, and, and just getting better at jujitsu, I can't beat the hell out of myself in the weight room, right? doesn't mean I can't train, but I can't go heavy. I just, my body would not allow it. I couldn't do heavy deadlifts, heavy squats, and be on the mats. Um, and I learned it the hard way. I had a bunch of reoccurring back issues, uh, multiple rounds of cortisone shots, and it, it just was not good. Finally, I was like, you know what? I need to really retool my thought process. And then that's when I kind of got back into the kettlebell world, right? And, and not that I was ever gone, but that's when I, I got reinvigorated with it because when I was training with the kettlebell, I just felt better. I just, I felt like my workouts were more sustainable, more repeatable, and I just felt good so I could actually train the next day. So that's when I was like, man, like this for me is a really, really perfect recipe. And then I started to just think about more ways how not only could the carryover from the, the, the general physical preparedness that I'm getting from kettlebells, how that would help with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but then I started to realize, wow, there's a lot more specificity that goes into this. And that's really what I want to talk about today. So um, <clears throat> there are a handful of exercises and the principles behind kettlebell training that can absolutely help your jujitsu. Um, so let's, let's dive right into that. So 
One of the first things that we, we learn in, in the kettlebell curriculum or in the kettlebell world is, is a Turkish getup. And if you don't know what a Turkish getup is, it's this exercise where you start on your back and you have a kettlebell and it's aimed towards the ceiling and you go through these sequence of movements where you go up to the standing position and then back down. Well, that, that Turkish getup with a load is very, very similar to um, a tactical standup that you would see in, um, in, in martial arts or um, most combat sports. It's the ability to basically be either on one hip or on your back and get to the standing position as quickly as possible. But when you're doing it, you generally have one hand in front of you that is going to be used to kind of uh, govern your distance from your opponent. Because ideally, if you're on the ground and you want to stand up, as you stand up, you're going to have your hand up in front of you to protect yourself to get to the standing position. So that's where that tactical stand-up comes in. So beautiful exercise because it is very, very similar. Now, Another thing we, we really need to consider when it comes to grappling is the idea of framing. So when you're framing, you're on one hip or the other hip, or you could be even in like a butterfly guard position, is you tend to extend one arm out and you try to essentially prevent your opponent from getting into a certain position or um, you try to get into a, a better advantageous position for yourself. But when you frame, what you're actually doing is placing your hand on your opponent on your opponents uh, or training partners. It could be their shoulder. It could be their back of their tricep. It could be their, you know, uh, somewhere in their gi, etc. It could be their neck. It could be their face. But basically, what you're trying to do is you're trying to control a portion of the individual's body while moving around. It was essentially as your lower body sort of moves and does what it's supposed to do. So your arm is fixed on something while the lower half of your body or the rest of your body is performing some sort of task. And if you think about a getup, what a getup is, it's the ability to go from the supine position on your back and you have a, when I say fixed object, obviously the, the kettlebell is not going to stay in one spot, but you have to focus on maintaining, maintaining the positioning of that object as you go through all the various steps of the getup. So that's why I love it, right? It's it's the ability to move underneath the load or move while performing a task. And when you're framing and you're grappling, that's essentially what you're doing. You're you're performing a task with some sort of resistance or some sort of external load. In jujitsu, it's your training partner or your opponent. In the kettlebell world, it is the kettlebell. So having that component is key. I would also argue that the shoulder stability and the multiplanar shoulder stability that you develop while doing get-ups is going to have an immediate carryover uh, to your ability to uh, to frame. Now, I was working with a, a friend of mine, and he's a black belt, and he's one of my one of my students. But he also teaches me um, some grappling, and he we just went through some basic framing stuff. And he's like, Mike, I need you to frame here when you're doing this. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And then once I got it, he's like, man, he goes, that's going to be, you're going to be a bear to deal with in that position because you know, you have such good movement, but you have the ability to frame really well. And he goes, that's going to be a key to your guard retention and, and transitions. And, you know, coming from someone who's a, a, a high level black belt that I um, that I really trust and, and admire, I was like, that's pretty cool that I was able to kind of pick that up. But I, I'll be honest, if I if I wasn't good at get ups, I don't think I would have picked that up as well. And I'm not saying that get ups are going to make you magically better at jujitsu, but there is a carryover. So um do your get-ups. <laughs> when, when it all boils down to it, make sure that you're doing your get-ups. Um, so let's talk about grip. Now, in the world of jiu-jitsu, there is this idea of maintaining a constant grip. I would say more so in, in gi, but in no gi, you have to do the same. But 
specifically when you're grabbing a sleeve or a lapel, you're trying to control your opponent's posture or break their posture. Now, there are gonna be times when you grip the lapel really, really hard, and there's gonna be times where you loosen your grip on the lapel or the sleeve. But regardless, you're always having a grip. So it's not a matter of how hard you grip or how little you grip, it's this constant idea of grip cycling, meaning sometimes you're gonna grip harder, sometimes you're going to grip um, and, and use less essential strength. So that is so important because as a, uh, as a young grappler, I remember when I started in my first competition, um, I was, I sucked. It was six months in, I was a white belt. Um, guy pulled guard. He was like six, four, and I literally couldn't get out of his guard. It was, it was freaking embarrassing. I think I deadlifted him like nine times, but I actually couldn't get out of his guard. Anyways, my, my wrists, my hands, my forearms, my biceps, were destroyed like I literally like they hurt for like two days and I was just simply over gripping I was gripping as hard as I can for as long as I could and it was not efficient now granted I sucked at jujitsu so that's a whole different conversation but what did I, basically what happened is I used too much grip I because I didn't have another option I didn't have technique so what did I try to do if you don't have technique you use more strength well that didn't work for me so one of the things that I realized down the road is man I, I have to learn to use my grip when I need to, how to conserve my grip, how to be efficient with my gripping. And once I started training a lot more with kettlebells again, I'm like, this is identical to jujitsu. You wanna use enough grip and enough strength to perform the task that you're trying to perform, but you don't wanna overdo it. Cause if you overdo it, you're gonna get gassed out and you're gonna get fatigued. And if you underdo it, you're gonna lose control. So the idea of knowing when to grip is something that is super important to understand in kettlebells, but also in grappling. So uh, here's a perfect example with, with the kettlebell swing. So if you're doing a kettlebell swing, and let's say it's a one-arm swing, you get set up, you get in the hike pass position, on your initial hike pass, when you hike the kettlebell underneath your butt, you have to have a really strong grip because you are trying to accelerate, you are trying to basically create this eccentric load in your posterior chain, you fire the bell underneath you, that whole posterior chain loads up and then you go into your swing. So as you hike the bell, you're gonna have to really grip the hell out of it, hike it underneath and then you go into your swing. Now, as you accelerate the kettlebell out in front of you, you still have to use a lot of grip because you're essentially trying to throw, quote unquote, throw the kettlebell out in front of you. Now at the very, very top of the swing, there's what we call the float. And the float is a point in which the kettlebell becomes essentially weightless. And it doesn't become weightless, but it floats. It's that point where it, it it pauses, it, it almost slightly just floats in the air for one second. And that is the time where you still have to maintain your grip, but loosen your grip. Because you don't need to give the death grip at the top position, okay? So if you break down the various components of the snatch or the clean or the swing, there are certain times where you need to grip harder. And there are certain times when you don't have to use as much grip. And the same thing goes for jujitsu. It's, it's, I, I refer to this as grip cycling. It's knowing when to grip and when not to grip. But the whole time, you're always maintaining some sort of grip. And that is one of the main reasons why I love it. Um, same, the same thing goes for the snatch and the clean. Um, it is essentially knowing when to grip and when not to grip and performing various exercises. So the whole, the whole idea of grip cycling and grip conservation and grip efficiency is something that um, I think is super important. Um, and if you get to this point where you're really good with kettlebells and you can do a one arm swing with like, let's say half body weight, and you can do multiple sets of 10 with half body weight, you're not going to have any issues with your grip 
Um, the only people that are going to have issues with your grip are your training partners and your, your, your opponents because, you know, if you get to a position where you grab their lapel or you grab their wrist and you're just using some horsepower, they're going to go, oh my gosh, that's awful. And if you've ever trained with anybody with really strong hands and a really strong grip, um, that individual, regardless of their jujitsu skill level, just became a lot harder to roll with because their grip is so freaking strong. So another reason why I'm a huge fan of kettlebell training for, for grappling is some people just do mindless cardio. And, and what I mean by that is there's nothing wrong with going out and, you know, riding a bike or going for a jog. But for me, um, I'd like to pay attention when I'm exercising. So if I'm doing a whole bunch of snatches, I have to pay attention because there's a lot of moving parts and I have to understand that if I don't use proper mechanics, proper breath, proper grip, proper cadence, it's going to go south, right? So my kettlebell work, which is, I would argue is more work capacity, grip endurance, muscular endurance stuff. It's not true, true cardio. We'll talk about that um, in a second, but it's a scenario where it makes you pay attention. And for me, if I'm doing an exercise I w or I'm doing some, you know, a whole bunch of kettlebell swings or snatches or cleans, I'd rather spend 20 to 30 minutes focusing on my technique, focusing on cadence, focusing on a rhythm, focusing on efficiency, feeling where my body is. I'd rather do that than just get on a bike and pedal my ass off and shake my head side to side and look like rubbish. So in my opinion, if you can pick a modality that makes you pay attention, you're going to be better off because especially in the world of jiu-jitsu, there isn't too many times where you're just not thinking. Um, now, a really high-level athlete, they can just grapple and, and they don't have to think, they just react, right? But that's just a highly trained individual. But that's why I love kettlebell training for me personally. Now, not to say that you can't go out for a run or you can't do some steady-state aerobic work. There's, there's some great benefits of that. But I'm just saying for me, I prefer to do something that is a little bit more dynamic where I have to pay attention. It could be the fact that that's just how my mind works and that's what I like to do. And it could be just a preference of mine, but that's something that I, I, I truly do enjoy. So I will say there's, there's one thing that we have to talk about when it comes to kettlebell training and um, comparing kettlebell training to traditional cardiovascular work is so kettlebell training is definitely this hybrid thing where it's a combination of strength, endurance, um, Overall, I would say work capacity and localized muscular endurance, right? So there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of grip going on. There's a lot of tension. There's there is the relaxation component. But I think one of the biggest things people need to understand from a physiological standpoint is so when you're swinging a kettlebell for multiple reps or snatching, um, because you are implementing a grip and you're using some power breathing and there's a lot of muscle activation going on, um, that's almost like a form of uh, of muscle occlusion and because of the fact that you're gripping and a lot of the muscles are constantly tensing, you're going to be limiting your venous return. So it's not that your, your, your cardiovascular system is not doing what it's supposed to do. But when you look at rowing or running or cycling, because of the nature of the systemic cardio, it's, it's really like a total body um, type of exercise. And when I say systemic, I mean like the entire body is, is kind of working at the same rate and the same pace. Um, you start to actually improve venous return, and that will actually help with your overall, um, you know, cardiovascular endurance. Whereas kettlebells, um, because of the nature of the gripping, will have a little bit of um, of muscle occlusion where you're actually um, limiting blood flow, and it's not a bad thing. It is what it is, but that is just physiologically what happens. 
But at the same time, that's why we introduce uh, fast and loose exercises to help facilitate blood flow and get you to relax a little bit in between. So um, we also call it shaking off the tension, right? If you do a whole bunch of swings and then your arms start to get tired, you can do some fast and loose. You can do what we call a boxer's bounce. Um, there's a bunch of different exercises that you can do to help kind of facilitate the blood flow and then go from there. Or you could just do some swings and walk around a little bit and shake it out. That's another way uh, that you can use fast and loose. But again, there are physiological differences between kettlebell swings, snatches, and just the true systemic cardio. So uh, again, they're different. They're, they're both great. I mean, you can get in crazy good shape with kettlebells. Don't get me wrong. But understand that there, there's, there are just simple differences. Um, another reason why I'm a huge fan of the, of the, of the kettlebell for, for combat sports is fatigue management. So when you start to get tired, usually your form starts to go south, right? So you start, you know, fatigue starts to set in and you start to get a little bit sloppy. What I love about kettlebells is that you will start to get immediate feedback as to whether or not your form is going, you know, maybe the kettlebell won't move the certain way, or maybe you can't maintain your hinge, or maybe when you put the kettlebell down, you're dropping it or whatever, but you're going to start to get little signs that you're tired. Um, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of working to that point where you start to get a little bit tired. You have to pay attention, but you're not smashing yourself. Okay. This way you can accumulate way more volume. You get more sets and reps in, and you're just not murdering yourself. Now, don't get me wrong, there is a time where you have to go and just get some ass-kicking workouts in to really move that needle because it's all about stress and adaptation. So when we when we kind of look at the overall training program, I like to focus on to the point where, you know, I'm in the middle of my, my training session, I'm starting to get a little tired, I have to pay attention a little bit more, but I'm not murdered. I can still uh, spend the rest of my day um, and, and working with people and trying to be a good dad and uh, trying to be a you know a good business owner, etc. Um, so for me, it's the ability to do a, a really productive training session, but also not be destroyed for the rest of the day. And 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 the other reason why I really appreciate that style of training is because when I am training jujitsu, I'm lucky if I could get there two to three days a week, and two of those days are like almost two hours of work. So it's it's drilling, and it's sometimes you know ten rounds, ten fives, or something like that, and I'm just smashed. Um, if I'm getting absolutely destroyed. And, and training really, really hard on the mats, my strength and conditioning can't do that as well. It just cannot. It's not going to work. I'm going to redline my body. Um, I'm going to overdo it. I'm going to overtrain, and 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 then I'm going to have some issues down the road. So, for me, it it actually allows me to really keep my body as healthy as possible. Um, I'm not redlining myself. I'm going to save my redlining for the mats, to be honest with you, um, and then go from there. So, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is this popularity of of um, kettlebell flows and and there's juggling and this and that and here's my take on that because a few people have asked me about it um one do i think you need to move in various planes yes um two is it is it important to have fun with your training yes um three are you going to get really strong doing a kettlebell flow with a lightweight no you're not going to it's just not going to happen now if you want to use a little kettlebell flow for a warm-up cool. You want to use it to have some fun. Cool. But if you want to get really strong, you're going to have to get to the point where you can swing some heavy bells very, very quickly, rinse and repeat. A good friend of mine, Jason Marshall, he's a master, uh, master in kettlebell instructor. He's out of Texas and Jason's a great guy. Um, but there's this video that every time it comes up in my, my memories in, uh, in Facebook, I always share it. It's him doing one arm swings with, uh, I think it's a 123 pound kettlebell. 
I mean, and he is just zipping this thing. It's floating. It looks beautiful. He's commanding the bell. He's not reacting to the bell. He's telling the bell what to do and it's happening. He's not reacting to this heavy load. And that's what a beautiful, powerful swing should look like. And, and as far as I know, Jason doesn't grapple, but I guarantee you if he got on the mats, he would be a bear because he's just so freaking strong and he's, he's a very conditioned guy and he knows his body. So, um, but going back to the whole idea of flows, I'm not, it's not that I'm against flows. It's just, you have to understand why you're doing it. If you want to get really, really strong and really explosive using a, you know, a, a tiny little kettlebell and doing a bunch of flows is not going to do that for you. It's just not going to, you have to put in the work, you have to swing heavier bells or you have to swing lighter bells really, really fast. You can even kind of cover the idea of, of doing sort of a conjugate idea because it's really only a couple different ways to get strong, right? You're gonna do your slow grinds and you're gonna do your ballistics and, and you can pair those together. So um, again, those flows are fine, but just understand why you're doing them and, and uh, where they will potentially sit if you do wanna put them in your program. So uh, the last thing that I wanna really talk about is um, when it comes to kettlebell training, for, for jujitsu, please treat it like you would treat getting your belts and getting your stripes. It's a system, it's a, it's a process and you have to pay your dues and don't ask someone for a great kettlebell workout, right? Because honestly, that, that'd be like me saying to a black belt, Hey, what's a good, what's a good jujitsu workout? Can you show me a cool jujitsu thing? They'd be like, no, like you got to learn the basics. It's the same with, um, with kettlebells, right? Like you, you have to learn how to do the exercises correctly first before you can train the exercises. But here's the difference is as you start to practice with kettlebells and as you start to develop your, your skill, you're going to prove your work capacity. And because you're focusing on skill and you're focusing on improvement, slowly the work capacity is going to improve as well. So the byproduct is actually going to be a training effect. So if you start with practice, the byproduct is a training effect. So you can actually acquire skill and get a training effect. But if you try to do it in reverse, if you're trying to get a really good training effect, but your technique sucks, it's not going to work. And um, it's not going to be the most advantageous training session. So um, there's my uh, my two cents on kettlebell training uh, for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and now it's time for my shameless plugs. So uh, there's two products that I highly recommend. Um, well, because I'm involved with both of them. So I'm, I'm you know, I guess I'm a little bit biased, but, um, I have a DVD called kettlebell essentials. It's, uh, through BJJ fanatics. I filmed it a few years ago with a, with a good friend of mine, Evan Marcantonio, and it is very much an instructional DVD or, uh, instructional digital content. There's no programming. What I do is I basically teach people as many exercises as I can, um, within three to four hours. So it's truly an instructional, it's not a follow along workout at all. So if you're looking for some kettlebell instruction, it's called Kettlebell Essentials. Highly recommend it. Go on to BJJ Fanatics. When they have deals, you can get this thing for like 20 bucks. In addition to that, I just finished up a product, another product with uh, BJJ Fanatics called Kettlebell Strong First. And that is with um, my friend and mentor, Pavel Satsulin. Um, we, we worked really, really hard on this product and uh, it's awesome. Um, just listening to Pavel, I, I go back and write notes and, and there's just so much information that Pavel has for that. So um, that is definitely a little bit more of an advanced um, style of, of, of training. Um, it's some double bell work and some single bell work. We go over jerks and clean and jerks and stuff like that. Um, but it also comes with some really good programming. There's a PDF that goes along with it. And I think it's like almost 15 pages and it's got some sample programs that you can follow. The programs are simple, but they're highly, highly effective. So go check both of those out. Um, 
you know, you can get great deals on them through the guys at uh, BJJ Fanatics and uh, Effective Strength and Conditioning. So, all right, guys. Well, listen, I appreciate you guys uh, listening to my podcast. And, and if you have any topics you want me to chat about or cover, or if maybe there's someone you want to get on and chat about, uh, do me a favor, send me a message. You can find me at Coach Mike Perry on Instagram or um, Michael Perry on Facebook, not to be confused with Platinum Mike Perry because that happens quite a bit. Um, but anyways, uh, appreciate you guys and, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Hey there, it's your host, Mike Perry from the minimum effective dose podcast. I just wanted to take a few minutes to say thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate your support. If you do like the podcast, do me a huge favor and subscribe, but also share this with your friends, colleagues, and family. Have an awesome day.